I was like, I was doing videos for some university, which is the pool site I was talking about. And I was like, I wanted this intro video where a guy jumping off a diving board and it's kind of a point of view shot. So like a guy, imagine a guy wearing a GoPro on his head and he's taking a dive off this high dive. He's doing all these flips and he lands in the pool and then the bubbles come up and then there it reveals the logo in like bubble format. And I'm telling my dad how I want this to do my first YouTube video ever. So I'm like, he, I'm like, he's like, that sounds like a huge production. Where are you going to find a diver? Where are you going to get this equipment? Like, dude, no one cares. Just you can't. How do you eat an elephant? And I was like, I don't know. He's like one bite at a time. He's like, just put up a friggin' logo. That's Matt Giovanisi, our guest on today's episode of the podcast, talking about an over-the-top idea he once had for a video intro he wanted to create. If you're not familiar with Matt, he's an entrepreneur and the founder of Money Lab, a site that's dedicated to documenting his experiments and challenges in making money online. Matt is well known for what he calls impossible experiments with unrealistic deadlines, like building a membership site from scratch in 14 days, creating and selling an online video course in three days, and even producing and selling a rap album in 30 days. Matt documents all of the processes he goes through with each one of these experiments, and at the end, he reports on whether or not the project was successful. Over the years, he's learned a lot about what it takes to make money online and shares the strategies he's found useful in creating what he calls a mildly successful six-figure business. Matt joins us on the podcast today to talk about his unique approach to content creation, project management, the effect of setting unrealistic deadlines for yourself, and so much more. We had a fun and lively conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. As always, I'm your host, Eric Turnison, and this is episode 121 of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. Sure. And um, looking forward to chatting with you. I've heard um, a lot about your situation and what you're doing for Matt already because you guys have been chatting. And I, I think one of the things that you guys ended up getting into when you were talking about all the varied projects that you've been doing um, is that there were some interesting lessons you learned from doing a lot of these things, mm-hmm. um, which was intriguing. Um, you talked a little bit about how setting unrealistic deadlines for these intensive projects <clears throat> changed the way you approached their creation. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, yeah, it was, it was not something I had planned to do when I started money lab. It was, I had this first challenge that we did. We tried to do it in 21 days. I, I knew it was kind of plenty of time for, cause I, I like to work really fast, but when I started setting deadlines really for, for clickbait in a way, like I, you know, in order to get traffic to money lab, I thought like, well, if I can do something that seems crazy in a short period of time, that would be good. That would be a good headline to share, you know, on social media or whatever. Cause I didn't, I don't, I didn't do any SEO stuff to, to promote the site. So I knew it was going to be more of a shared site. And so I started like that and I gave myself, you know, I was like, okay, well, I know I can realistically do this in, you know, a week. So let me try to do it in a shorter amount of time, you know? So I would pick a deadline in my head that I thought, okay, I can, I can reasonably accomplish this. And then I would just either cut it in half or do something, you know, try to cut it in half or do something crazy and then go, all right, well now that I've cut that timeline in half, well, now the the things that I really wanted to do or the things that I, you know, my brain, my creative side would be like, oh yeah, we could do this. We could do that. 
And all of a sudden you're like, well, no, you can't do those things. So if you have to pick, you know, the absolute crucial things to get it to market, what are those things? And just accomplish those um, as best as you can. And so the, I remember when I did my, um, I did a course that I had set for seven days and I ended up completing it in five days. And I've done courses after that, that I've gotten, I just keep cutting the time down. So I did a bigger course later where I, where I on the, on money lab, where it was twice as long. And so because the, because the course content was twice as long, but I had to do it in the same amount of days, I'm like, all right, well, what I had to go back and read my original process and, and see where I could cut corners, you know, and I don't mean cut corners in, as in terms of like content quality, but production, you know, things. So all right, well, I'm going to copy over the same sales page so I don't have to recode it from scratch. I'm going to minimize my animations because I thought the, the animations took me a lot of time but, but weren't really crucial to the final product. And you just have to look at it like, okay, well, I only have a certain amount of days to do this, so you know, what do we do? And you know, even recently, we, we took a, uh, an existing, you know, this is not something, I think, actually, you know what? I just published this on Money Lab yesterday. But we took an existing SaaS product, uh, my partner and I, and we were like, "All right, let's let's give this a makeover, and and see if we can increase revenue just from you know changing three variables, right?" And we picked three variables because we gave ourselves a week. I gave myself a two day deadline. He gave himself a week deadline because he's a programmer, so for him it took a little bit longer. But I'm like, "All right, well, what are the three variables that we believe?" If we change them in, in, a, in a relatively short period of time, it would make a significant impact. And we chose those three and we did two of them um, because the third one, we decided not to change as a variable to see if just the first two would work. And so we're testing that now. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, it got done in a week that this, this makeover. So, you know, yeah, anything that we can, anything that I can do to cut down the timeline, it just sort of forces you to, it, it forces you to, only work on the parts that are absolutely crucial to the final product and that's it right and i th i think that that's a really big um strategic combatant against the things that usually keep people from getting to launch anyway which could be any number of things like psyching oneself out mm -hmm. uh procrastination doing all sorts of things to extend the timeline you know for reasons that we think have to do with, oh, it needs to be better. This is increasing the quality, but really underlying that it may just be like, oh, like what if it, what if I release it and it doesn't work right. or all this other stuff, which is <clears throat> kind of a catch 22 because like what I've learned is you best to get something up quickly because the way that you're going to know if it's going to work is by receiving the feedback and making sure. adjustments. And this only, you know, this only applies to online things, right? Because the same thing wouldn't apply to a physical book. If you had to put out a physical book, right. you wouldn't want to put, you know, a minimum viable product up against a publisher or an agent or even, you know, that you were going to get printed. And it, cause it is set in stone. It is what you have to, you right. know. But I mean, in certain circumstances though, you could do it that way. I mean, think of how some of the books that became books started, they started sure. as serials, right? Well, so like, like the, uh, the Martian, right. Where he wrote the book on his blog and had comments and then people commented and he changed the book and then published it all, you know, 
reluctantly published it, self-published it on Amazon because <laughs> his people wanted to do it. But that, yeah, you're right. I mean, that specific example, again, focusing more online than it is like an actual book proposal. Like I wouldn't want to, I would give myself a deadline, even in, even in something like that. But I would focus, I would, you know, if, if I had to sit down and go like, all right, well, if I have to put out a book proposal, what are the, you know, first, let me research what are the crucial points or what are the crucial elements of a book proposal and then go and then basically give myself a period of time that would be ridiculous and try to do it all in that in that period of time. And it just kind of forces you to cut out the nonsense that you don't need to do. Right. What is your relationship with deadlines? Because, mm. you know, for myself, um, you know, I remember back in college, you know, I had deadlines for things, mm-hmm. but that basically just meant that I would do nothing <laughs> until two days before yeah. the deadline. And then I would do everything in the last two days, you know? So how do you, when you set a deadline and you say, I'm giving myself a week to do this, mm-hmm. how are you managing yourself and making sure that you stay on track to hit that? Yeah. So I am, I, I live and die by the deadline in, and I don't know how that came about. I didn't go to college and have actual deadlines. I didn't do homework in high school. So, you know, a pretty bad student in that, in that regard, but I, I break down a task into little tiny bite-sized pieces, like to, to an almost insane level. And I use Asana to do that. So when I plan out a project and I give myself a deadline, I will sit down for the first day or hour, whatever it takes. And I will literally write down every step that I need to do. And it could just be, it could be as silly as like, you know, write this sentence or tweet something, you know, like just mm-hmm. tweet something. And I will literally create that as a task, an actionable task in Asana. And so I, whenever I log, you know, whenever I log on for the day and do work, I am literally just looking at a giant list of to do's and I am checking them off one by one. And I would love it. It's sort of, I think a, uh, sort of a Pavlovian effect of, Every time I click something, I get this dopamine hit. So I feel like I'm making progress because whenever you look at a project, and, and this is something my dad had taught me, which was I always, I always tend to look at a project really big. You know, I want it to be this like final thing. It's so huge. It's going to be amazing. Oh my God. You know, I was, I was talking to Matt earlier about how when I did this rap video, this first rap video that I did for my pool website, I, had this idea. I'm like, all right, we're going to be, we're going to be on a boat and we're going to rent a yacht and we're going to rent this like limo. We're going to get these girls and it's going to be like a real rap video and it's going to be insane. And then I'm like, okay, my, that's insane. That's, that's, that's like, you can't do that. One, you don't have the money. So that's, that's a ridiculous thought, but two, you have two days. So I kind of gave myself this unrealistic deadline of finishing it in a weekend. And it's like, Oh, okay, well, you know, let's just, at least let's film it by a pool. Okay, great. And then that was like pretty much what we did. Yeah. And I, and I upped the, uh, the value just by adding a, a glide cam and I'm like, all right, well, I did spend a little money. So I felt like I was doing a production, but yeah, it was, you know, filmed in one day, edited the next day. And when I, my, I had this other thought of, I was like, I was doing videos for some university, which is the pool site I was talking about. And my, I was like, I wanted this intro video where it, it, this is in my brain. I wanted an intro video of a guy jumping off a diving board and it's kind of a point of view shot. So like a guy, imagine a guy wearing a GoPro on his head and he's taking a dive 
off this high dive. He's doing all these flips and he lands in the pool and then the bubbles come up and then there it reveals the logo in like bubble format. And I'm telling my dad how I want this to do my first YouTube video ever. So I'm like, he, I'm like he's like, that sounds like a huge production. Where are you going to find a diver? Where are you going to get this equipment? Like, dude, no one cares. Just you can't. How do you eat an elephant? And I was like, I don't know. He's like one bite at a time. He's like, just put up a friggin' logo. I was like, okay. And I went and put up a logo and then I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. And then you move on and it's like, wow, no one really cared that I put all this work into the intro of the video that they're, they probably want to skip forward anyway. And so that sort of moment has stuck with me. And I, I take every project and every deadline one bite at a time, because if you look at a project that's, that is in scope, a very huge project, like building software or building a membership site, or, you know, like trying to build like this huge library, like then if you're trying to build Netflix tomorrow or in seven days, like you're in for a world of hurt because it is, it is something that has taken multiple steps to do and will build over time. And so like, it's just a matter of breaking down those tasks. And again, I, when I, if you were to look at my Asana for when I do a course or build some sort of product, the, the amount of individual tasks are so detailed. It's like, why would you even write that? Like you could, do, you, you do that in two seconds. Well, I'm like, I do it in two seconds, but I want to hit the checkbox. Like I need that. Right. You know? But I, I also feel that there is another uh, reason that that's extremely valuable because in that process of doing that, you're actually visualizing the what it's going to take to complete it. You're going step yeah. by step in your mind. Okay, I'm doing this. Okay, what happens after I do that? So in a, in a sense, you've already done the project by the time you've completed that project at a certain level. Right. Right. Then you just need to go, okay, I actually need to check these off. But the other thing that happens is you get into those things that you were just talking about. Okay. At some point you're doing your checklist and then you, you start daydreaming. You're like, oh, I could do all this huge stuff. Mm-hmm. But then even in that process, you realize, okay, like, well, I'm holding it, holding things up. Right. Then without a big cost, you know, you're minimizing the effect of that by going through that process and then it raises a question, you know, you know, because I think that we all want to do those big things because we see the people that we're seeing doing videos and such, they're, they're doing big production, things like that. And we all want to emulate them, which is great. And we're like, oh, well, if we don't have anything like that, then nobody's going to watch our videos or nobody's going to engage with my membership site if I don't have the most amazing logo and the most amazing design. Mm-hmm. But then you know, in this process where you've basically through the exercise and the discipline of setting yourself deadlines and completing things, it it seems like you've come to a number of lessons, you know, now that you've realized, okay, it's not about the bells and the whistles. What is the essence of success of something? What makes or breaks something when you're getting it out? Okay. So I remember I, I was, I was in the process of moving from Jersey to Colorado and I only had a MacBook air and I, for some reason decided I was going to do YouTube videos for swim university and I don't have a pool. I don't have a hot tub. And I'm like, what if I tried to do YouTube videos with just my MacBook air, right? Like what, like how can I create good quality through that? Just that. And it was kind of crazy because I've done a few of them and 
I, I had no complaints at all. In fact, I use those videos all the time on my, all over my website. And all I did was I was, I sat in a small room that was in this Airbnb that we were renting and I had a couch. So the, the sound quality was pretty dead. I had an ATR 2100, an audio technica USB mic, you know, it's 70 bucks, plugged it into my laptop and I used my laptop camera, which only recorded 720p at the time. And I used my MacBook air as the script, as the teleprompter. So I had uh, a Google doc set up with really big text so I could read it. And I had the microphone play slightly off camera, but enough to where it would, it would pick up my voice. And I did an entire a series of videos wh where I was talking about pool care, right? And the way that I increased the, the quality without having to buy any fancy equipment was one, the, the audio quality, I think, in any video is the absolute most important thing you can focus on. Um, because if you're, especially if you're delivering any sort of like educational material, they need to be able to hear it and it shouldn't be annoying to listen to. Like, even if you have a, a you know, you're pulling up a YouTube video and you, you're not looking at it, maybe you're cooking dinner or something, you still want to be able to hear it and it sound good. So that has always been important for me. And again, like a $70 microphone is fine, you know? Um, and what I did was editing. It's just like you, you get a program that's, you can either buy one or do one for free or whatever. And I edited text over the screen and just made it look good and cut out all the times where I messed up or, you know, it, it was, it was super simple, but did it on my laptop, probably did like eight or 10 episodes or eight or 10 videos like that. And they were perfectly fine. And then, you know, after that, I, once I finally like had a place to live, I, I bought a camera and it actually got harder because now I have to set up a camera. I have to set up a separate mic. I have to set up, I had to find a teleprompter or memorize the thing or sort of like do it off the cuff. And so actually having the minimum amount of equipment was actually easier to create and, and reduce the friction of publishing. Yeah. Because as soon as you start adding all those things, you're folk, you're making it more difficult and mm -hmm. Just that difficulty may be the reason why you just don't move forward. In fact, that's what we see happen a lot with people who sign up for Member Mouse. Um, they're thinking too much about the design. They're thinking too much about mm -hmm. their f fonts, whatever. And so they're not thinking enough about their content. Yes. And they create all of this technical hurdles for themselves, and then they get overwhelmed and then they think it was it was the fault of those things as to why they didn't succeed. But really, right. it was because they didn't just do something. Yeah. And, and to speak to that, this is something that I, I, I talk about a lot and I've struggled with in the past, which is you kind of have to understand who you are as a person and what your and what your skill sets are and kind of like just be OK with that, like. Be okay that you suck at programming or maybe that you don't suck, but you hate doing it or you tried it and you're like, meh, not for me. Right. I, you know, there are just like, I suck at drawing. I, I just, I just, I hate it. Like I'm not good at it. My girlfriend's excellent at it. So like, thankfully I have that, but I, every time I try to draw something or do some sort of like uh, graphic design, like, you know, uh, a pen tool or whatever, I have to trace and it just like, it takes me forever and I'm just like, ugh. same with programming. Like I'm, I'm kind of dangerous when it comes to programming, but for the most part, I'm not really that good. 
And yet, if I just keep pushing myself to build my own SaaS products, like I'm in a world of hurt. Like I'm going to, I'm going to struggle and it's going to take me forever to do anything. And so when I, you know, it, with whether it's like video or writing or anything, and I, and writing is another one I struggle with as well, but I have to sit down and go, okay, dude, what are you actually good at? What is the thing that you know you can get done in record time or better than everybody else or is just your wheelhouse? And then just be creative and do that thing, right? So for me, it's video. Like I can pull up ScreenFlow on my Mac. I have a decent microphone set up now. And even if I didn't, again, I would go back to the ATR2100 and I would be recording screencasts like crazy. Like I did, I, I tried this the other day too. Like I published two videos on Swim University. Again, this is my pool site. I don't own a pool. I don't own a hot tub. So in my brain, I'm like, well, I can't make Swim University videos because I don't, how can I show people what I'm talking about if I don't own a swimming pool? Like, how can I do that? And it's like, well, one, that's idiotic because not everybody has the same pool. And so there's other ways to demonstrate that what you're talking about. And so I went, uh, I, I, you know, I have ScreenFlow, which is like, you know, just a screen recorder. You can use QuickTime that's built into your Mac or whatever. And I'm sure there's other ones for Windows. And I just used PowerPoint and I, I created a bunch of slides, maybe like 10 or 15 slides that were like, you know, I'm a, I'm a designer, so I designed them nicely, but I've seen ones that don't have to be nice. And obviously with something like Keynote, they have built-in templates. You can make something look pretty decent, right? And I, that's, I filmed a 20-minute video just teaching people how to take care of their pool or getting rid of algae. So, and, it, and it's getting views like crazy. So I'm like, all right, well, clearly I didn't need all of that stuff. And that's just something I'm very good at. Writing, on the other hand, it would take me forever because I hate writing. And it's like, it's a slog for me. But video is the opposite. Yeah, and I, I just want to add a, a, a slight modification to the word good because you good is another word where people, oh, well, you have to be good at it. Well, I'm not good at anything. Yeah. It's not even that. Like, It's about alignment. Like you said, you recognize if you sit down to write, you run into blocks. If you sit down and try and draw, you run into blocks. But if you sit down and mm -hmm. video stuff flows. And yeah. The thing is, I, I think that's the key is that alignment. Like you said, people have to recognize who they are and yeah. then practice, practice by doing and not that and not that it means that whatever you do first isn't quote unquote good, isn't good enough to be released. Because like you said, with your first videos on SwimU, you were using, you know, you had a, a standard laptop, laptop mic. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I listened to that video and that that I definitely noticed that. Yeah. It doesn't diminish the value of A, the content, and more mm -hmm. importantly, B, your experience as a content creator. Yeah, and the, it reminds me too of that. I, I, there's an Ira Glass quote about the distance between your taste and your ability, where, have you heard of, you know what I'm talking about? I forget the actual quote. No, but I get what he's saying, yeah. Yeah, basically, you know, when you're just starting out, like if I'm, you know, I, I I've been doing video for a very long time and I've been doing audio for a very long time. Those, I mean, even before I even had a, a computer, I was on, I, I, my dad owned a recording studio and we were doing like real to real recording. So there's, th these are things that I'm good at, but there are things that I am not good at, but my taste is very high. Like I have good, I think I have pretty good taste. And so if I try to draw something or I try to write something, 
I am constantly criticizing myself because it's like, well, no, I know that this sucks. Like, cause my taste says it sucks. And so therefore, why would I ever publish it? But it's like, look, that's always like r recognize that there is going to be a gap in the beginning. And then as you keep doing it, your ability is eventually going to sync up with your taste at some point, but you can never get there if you don't actually publish anything or, or, or create anything. Right. And our taste is based on what we're seeing around us. And there's so much stuff around us. And the thing is like, Ultimately, like people are more interested in experiencing you express yourself personally through what you're doing as opposed to copying others. Yeah. So you you may assimilate your taste for other videos you watch into your work, but ultimately what you create is in a sense has your your personality in it. And and that's I, I feel that's what people resonate with. They yeah. they resonate with somebody who's doing something in which case they're, you can sense their personality in it. And this goes back to what you were saying earlier about don't draw if you don't like to draw. And the reason is, is right. because you don't express yourself through that. So nobody's going to want to, even if, even if it's technically immaculate, yeah. there's going to be a, de a, a staleness to it. Right. And I know people that want to do YouTube videos and they want, I mean, me, I'm, I'm, this is me actually, like I want some university to have fully animated videos. I'm not, I'm not good at that, you know, and it's, and I could certainly pay somebody to do that, but now we're entering that realm of, well, I don't have enough money to pay for the quality that I'm looking for. And so therefore not going to produce any animated videos or any videos at all for some university because I can't get what I want today. Right. And that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any, um, techniques that you used with yourself to determine, what was in alignment with you? Like, was it just obvious mm. for you that video was a thing or did you have to try writing? Did you have to try the other things? How can people figure this out? Like what's their, their mechanism? All the things that I've mentioned that I'm bad at, I have tried and continue to try even to this day. Like I, I will still try to create uh, motion graphics. I will still try to create, you know, animations or, or drawings or draw drawings, drawings. I say drawings, I guess it's a crazy <laughs> thing. Um, I, I, uh, I still try to create, you know, videos or anything that it's sort of out of my wheelhouse because I do want to get better at those things. And I've actually just come to the point where I know that there's that gap of my taste and, and talent. And so I just don't give a shit to be honest. Like I, I, I just put it out there and I'm just, I know I'm going to get better. And the best thing I can do is go back to, you know, you, you, if you follow a YouTuber and you love that YouTuber and you're like, wow, their videos are so great. I love their videos. Go back to, to watch their first video. It's, it's go, You're going to be shocked by how bad it is and, or by how good it is for their first time, but mostly how bad. And that is just, you know, time and taste and talent sort of, you know, working its way through life and, and continuing to publish and eventually you'll get there. But for me to sit down and say, um, what I'm good at, like, I know that I am very good at video. I just don't do it very often because it is so time consuming. There are, uh, there are things that I could do, um, that would make more of an impact for me that I, you know, writing is one of those things. Like I don't like doing it. So I have to figure out a way for me to like doing it. And the way that I've sort of hacked that is uh, you have to do everything right. And then you have to go, 
Like, there, for example, um, I wrote uh, my first book that I wrote for some university. It was an ebook, and it's called The Hot Tub Handbook. And I'm like, I'm going to create a product. Now, why I decided to create an ebook when I hate writing is, is beyond me, but that's what everybody was doing. So I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. And so I started writing it in Google Docs. And I was like, this sucks. And I was procrastinating and it. I just hated myself. And then I sat down and I was like, okay, well, what, it, what am I good at? And I was like, I know I can design. That's something I'm very good at. I love just throwing on music and sitting down and just designing. So what I did was I actually designed the book first, like, and just put dummy text in and, and created the outline and all the chapters, but, but did all of the artwork and the, and the design for it. And then just filled in the gaps with words. And I, what, that was a hack for me to go, what I'm actually doing is not writing in a blank white word document. I'm actually designing something. And the words are filling the design space that I, that I need. So it was a sort of a mental hack for me. And I can see this in so many different ways. Like I know I really like podcasting. I have always been a fan of broadcasting. And if I hate writing so much, then why don't you just talk it out and then have somebody else transcribe it? That's so right. cheap, right? Like rev.com. It's a dollar like a minute. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, and then, and then edit it or have, hire somebody else to edit it. Like that, that's, it's nothing, right? There are so many ways to get around, you know, content creation based on your ability. And you kind of just, and I say this a lot too, like you just have to shut the door, sit in a room and be honest with yourself. Like, what do I like to do? What do I hate to do? And that's, I, I, I tend to think more negatively. So I'm like, what do I hate? I hate that. So I'm going to, but I like that. So I'm going to do that to put, you know, push that. So yeah, it, it is really just a matter of sitting down with yourself and you'll find creative shortcuts. You, you always do, especially like, you know, it's, it's the idea of the constraint, whether it's a timeline or if it's like, look, I gotta, I, you know, let's say somebody wants to start a membership site and they, they want it to be all video. Cool. But they suck at video. Right. So it's like, okay, but maybe you don't suck at words okay, we'll make it words for now. Do that first. And then, and then once people are in and you have paying customers and your idea has been validated, okay, well, now you can try doing video. Oh, I hate doing that. Maybe it never becomes video. Maybe that thing that you thought you wanted, you actually didn't want, and you were actually better off doing writing because that's the thing you're actually good at. Yeah, and, and I think that the closing of the door part is important. Like that thing that you can do where you get into a rhythm and you flow. Because like you said, when, you're work, when you personally are looking at a blank Word doc page, all you do is basically like, it's basically like, you know, pulling teeth, like trying to climb a mountain with just yeah. your fingers. And yeah, you may get there someday, but it's going to, you know, it's going to take the life out of you. Whereas, totally. you know you know, video for you is like starting at the top of the mountain and you're on a unicycle and it just like you ride down it, right? You you need to yeah. get into this flow state where you're just able to creatively express something and produce. Yeah. And to, and to go further into that, like one of the things that you can do, like the idea of sitting down into a room, you have to go through your mental Rolodex of times in your life where you were in that state because it's, everyone's been there. Yeah. And if whenever I go, you know, what's the thing that I actually love doing? Well, every time I'm doing video work, I forget to eat. 
Like I forget right. what time it is. And I'm like, yeah. why don't I do that more? Clearly I'm, that is like a place where I get into a really solid flow. Yeah. And so one of your projects where you created a deadline and um, completed, I think it was 14 days for the, for the membership site. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is, this is something that um, our audience is, a lot of them are at some point in the process of doing either they're at the very beginning or at the very, you know, somewhere or they're running it. But I think for the people who are in the beginning or trying to get started, I mean, this is something your experience going through that process Mm -hmm. um, could be very valuable for them because you basically did it from soup to nuts in 14 days, right? Yeah. Yeah. I built the membership platform. (laughs) So I think I could have, you know, even skipped a lot had I used something that you know was already sort of built right <laughs> so obviously I yeah. tend I, I, I tend to uh, uh, I tend to overcomplicate things yeah no I do the same thing I do the same thing I, in fact I was reading your timeline where you were like yeah I, I built a content management system and I realized WordPress existed you know <laughs> right and right. I mean when I started member mouse I kind of did something similar I had the idea for this membership plugin I had built something myself just for websites in general, like a PHP program. But then I was like, oh, like I should make something for WordPress because everybody likes WordPress. This is 2009. And so I outsourced it to this Russian team and they came back, you know, 20 grand later and handed me like a custom coded version of WordPress. Now at that time, I had never used WordPress. I didn't know what WordPress was or anything, but I kind of looked at it and I, I kind of just like asked an honest question. I was like, you know, don't, doesn't WordPress have things like plugins where you can create it. So you're not modifying core code, you know, right. and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, so how are people, what if we need to make a change or WordPress changes? What happens? They're like, Oh, we need to rebuild a whole new WordPress. And I was like, you're fired. <laughs> yeah. You <right>. know? No. <laughs> yeah. But you know, sometimes you have to go through those things. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so for this 14-day thing, you actually built the membership platform too? Oh, I used, um, I think, something like MemberMouse. Okay, so you were using a plugin of some kind. Yes. Okay, Yes. yeah, got it. What from that experience do you think could help people who are kind of wanting to go through that themselves? What can they do to kind of get launched in 14 days like you did? Okay, so in this case, I had a, a partner and... I was not the one in charge of creating the content for the platform. I, I had a guy that he had done uh, two courses. So he had all these video. He, had two, he did two video courses. And I was like, look, I will build you a platform to sell you know, a membership site to basically build what we were calling at the time the Netflix of survivor, survival skills. And it's all of, you know, the, the site was all bushcraft and you know, survival skill videos and courses. And I'm like, I can build this for you. I need you to produce these videos. And so we, you know, developed an outline of all the courses we were going to have. And I, I think there was only a handful of courses, maybe like three or four. And he did all of the course material in those 14 days as well while I was building the platform. So one of the more valuable things I think people can pull from that is partnerships are great. <laughs> like you can get, you know, have somebody else come in with you to do the content while you work on the more technical side or vice versa. Right. And even, you know, that was the idea of doing it in 14 days was 
to be to, to basically say, look, um, this is something that we want and we want it to exist. We want to be able to sell it. We have to be able to test this as fast as possible to see if people are even willing to buy this. And so we had to look at like, all right, what's the bare minimum that we need to do in these 14 days in order to launch something for sale. And like, and one of those things is like, you need a good sales page, regardless of what's in the, the, in the actual product itself, the product can always evolve. And so can the sales page, but you need people to, to actually like want to sign up and pay you money. And, and pricing is really important too. So I think, and, and again, pricing can go up and pricing can change. Like, and that's the best part about all of this is, you know, like no matter what decisions you make, it's not, they're not crucial. You know, it's just, they just need to be made. So you need to sit down and go like, all right, decision made. Here's what we're building. Let's do it as fast as humanly possible. Let's, you know, basically the idea of an MVP or a minimum viable product and get something out the door so that we can go, let's see if people are interested. Let's talk to those people. And then once people are in, let's improve it. Let's add to it. Right. Let's, let's look at, let's mold it, shape it. Right. So it's more of a journey than just you know, personal private journey. And then at the end, something goes out. It's more of like, no, get something out early. And yeah. it's a journey and a conversation that continuous is continuing on, you know, forever. 100%. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And you also have to be comfortable. And I think this is something that, you know, both um, Doug and I really, I mean, and this is something that I care about, but I care about how good it looks, you know, and I know that that's not like great advice for everybody, but I'm a designer. So to me, of all of the things that I could have done with building this product, to me, that was the most important part that would have made me feel good in the, in the end. That doesn't have to be for everybody. It doesn't have to be that exact variable, but that was something that I was just good at. And I'm like, look, as long as this looks good, I'm cool. You know, I'm good with this going out into the public. And so I had 14 days to make it look and function the best that I could while he was creating the content. And we did, we got it done in 14 days. We, we launched it. He had an email list of like, Oh man, like maybe a hundred people, <laughs> some, some small number. Right. And I think we sold like 10 spots, you know? So, and, and this was $10 a month. 10% return. That's pretty 10, good. Pretty good. Yeah. And he didn't really have a good relationship with his list, but that amount, and I, and I could go back, there's all the data is in that post, but what was crazy is like, it worked. Like people bought it, right? And I, the way I look at it in any sort of project that I do, even on Money Lab especially, because Money Lab is, the idea is like we make these little projects. If it makes $1, if one person converts, the idea is validated, end of story. Now it depends on how many people in the future will convert, I don't care about that. If it makes money, it makes money. End of story. Because at that point, if one person was willing to buy into the idea, then there are definitely other people in the world. You know, there may not be a lot, but there are definitely other people in the world that are that will buy into the idea. And we learned that in 14 days. So we, you know, in half of a month, we figured out that, oh, this is this is an actual product. Let's continue building that, which unfortunately did not happen. If you read the whole thing, <laughs> right. I mean, and it's, and it's like, I built the platform. That was sort of my job. And then, you know, going forward, uh, you know, Doug wasn't able to hold up his end of the deal, which was to market it to his people and stuff. But, you know, Hey, that's, 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 I think that's a lot of people's concern. And it was like, look, and I think there's a lot to be learned from that story as well, which is 
a pro- you, you, you did the hardest part. The hardest part of an online business is actually making a product that people can buy. Like that's the hard part. All he has to do, and that's what I've told him for the last three years, is just write content and drive traffic to your site and convert and 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 show and tell them that you have a sales page. That's really all it takes to sell an online product. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's really just it's really that yeah. simple, and it's and, there, and it is that simple. But then, of course, that simplicity has depth to it. So you know, just people shouldn't misunderstand. Right. This, I think, uh, one of the um, themes of what we're talking about. Things can always be more complex, right? But yes. you should start with the first step, you know, and, yes. you know, marketing and traffic and conversion, obviously, that's tons of people's sole job, right? And there's a lot there. But at its basics, you know, you're just telling people about it. I mean, it could be people you meet on the street, like, hey, like I do this thing or on your Instagram yeah. account or whatever. And like you said, you don't want to have unreasonable expectations at the beginning. Member Mouse had 10 customers for the first two years of business, basically. Wow, yeah. You know, like, um, and that was actually turned out to be extremely valuable because <clears throat> it meant that we were able to work with those 10 people very closely and improve the product through that, those conversations, which then made it more attractive to get the next uh, 90 people to 100. And then we were at 100 for a while. So there right. was a number of years that we were at low numbers um, and things didn't take off, but it doesn't matter because the journey was started. We are having the conversations and they were helping us improve the product so right. that it, it gained wider appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is just like it, it, the thing is, and I've learned that I, I continue to learn this time and time again, which is humans by nature will overcomplicate everything. That is just true, right? And I did this with recently with an email email funnel project that I was working on. It's like I was trying to for Swim University specifically, trying to take customers on a journey and and educate them through this whole like weaving uh uh you know email funnel thing only to discover that Actually, I didn't need to do any of that. They were ready to buy as soon as they read the first article on the website, right? And I only learned that because I built this whole friggin' thing out. And I'm like, why is no one buying? Like, why is no one responding to this? Like, I've given them so much education. And I started asking them. And they're like, no, I mean, I just, well, just show me where it is and I'll buy it. Because, you, you know, like, I was, all, I, they landed on my website and got free content. And then I was like, Oh, you want more free content, which is already free on my website? Sign up for my mailing list. And they're like, okay. And they sign up for my mailing list and they're like, okay, more free content. And I sent, and I basically, you know, gave them a whole week's worth of free content. And then I was like, here's my product. It's like, why don't you just tell me, well, you should just tell me on day one, I would have bought it. And I'm like, oh, you know, and if you look at like SaaS websites and, and, and those, you know, they have blogs, you can just buy this product right then and there. You can just buy it. You know, you're reading this free thing. You're like, wow, this is really cool. I love this blog post. Who is, who makes this? Where am I? Oh, oh, they have a product like member mouse. Like you read a blog post on member mouse. You listen to a podcast. You're like, wait, where am I? Cause you, maybe you found it on, you know, on Google or something. And you're like, oh, oh, actually this is exactly what I was looking for. There's a plugin. Great. I'm going to buy this. This is awesome. It's like, you don't really need to 
overcomplicate it. It's just it's kind of that simple, you know? Yeah, it doesn't need to be uh, all this pressure put on some big reveal of your the mm-hmm. fact that you're selling something. Just casually just have it there all the time, yeah. but continually offer the value through the free content. Exactly. So do you have any projects that you're coming up in the pipeline that you're working on? Yeah, well, we just did um, the makeover of a SaaS product that my friend and I were working on, and we're about to launch our affiliate marketing plugin called Lasso, which is at getlasso.co. It's, we're, we're, we have another month worth of onboarding some beta members and development. And for the next, uh, for the next month, so all of May, I, we, have, we have put together an entire marketing plan for launching this product, we are trying to get to 15,000 monthly recurring revenue in six months. And we're starting at zero. So we, the, the whole, and this is gonna be a challenge on moneylab.co where you could follow along in real time and you can see the entire plan and what we're gonna do. And so that's, that's pretty much gonna be my life for the next six months is to, is to grow this, um, this one SaaS product. So what's the skeleton of that plan? to get to 15 MRR in six months? Like what do you, what are your main milestones? So, uh, there's three. One is a very, uh, share worthy sales page. So we're trying to, you know, this is sort of my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is, you know, the being really creative with uh, website design. And so I'm trying to push myself to develop something that will, like, you know, a lot of SaaS homepages don't get shared, but what would, what would have to be on that page for the people in the right industry to share that? And so I'm really, that's part of the, that's the first step. The second step is to create an editorial calendar for a blog that will be SEO, you know, it's mostly driven by SEO, but at the same time, we only have six months, right? We only have six months to get, so we sat down yesterday and we were, we were talking it out like, look, an SEO, you know, blog, an SEO focus blog is certainly a play. It's just not a six month play. It's not going to happen in six months, right? It may ha- it may happen in three months if we're really good, but for the most part, like it's going to take six months plus to start getting any ranks in Google or whatever. And we could go after a bunch of long tail keywords and all this stuff to get, you know, to have that happen sooner. But what if we did something that was so grand and so big that it, it it would actually work with SEO in the long term, but in the short term, people would share the hell out of it. You know, it would it would circulate within a community that all needs this product. So that's the second piece, and then the third piece is doing a roadshow. So the idea of basically like uh, him and I, the the person that I'm my business partner Andrew, who uh, is helping me build the product, we have two podcasts. So we do a show called Listen Money Matters, which is a personal finance show. It's really really popular. And then we have a show called Money Lab, which is on moneylab.co. And I'm like, look, we're really good at talking. We're really good at, we have good equipment. We, we know how to uh, deliver the message. We know how to uh, communicate. Let's go on a bunch of podcasts in the first month, you know, because I think that would be a way to quickly grow some interest or create buzz in this product, you know, in order to get it to, you know, 15 MMR or whatever, 15 grand MMR, MRR. So... Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's those were the three factors that we were like. These are things that we know in the first month could get us a lot of traffic without paying for it. 
but it's a lot of work. We're talking about like innovating and, and really pushing ourselves to like think big and think outside the box, but also operate in our wheelhouses. And run a software company. And run a software company. But yeah, that's- I'd, I'd like to, uh, you know, talk to you maybe like eight months from now and <laughs> see where you're at with that. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, um, I am just the marketing side of things. And, and uh, Andrew is mostly, I mean, he owns a majority of the company and he will be handling most of that. But another thing that is in my wheelhouse that I've worked on last year was processes. So we're, we're kind of like getting ourselves out of the customer service you know, process almost immediately. And I already have documents set up for that to kind of, you know, remove us from that process. So we're, we're, we have learned our lessons from, I've had other, you know, software products before where customer service was really a killer. Um, and our, and, and how we developed and how we communicated with the customers. Like we've learned these lessons so many times that I'm like, all right, let's make sure we don't make these in the future and figure out a way to, to make this easy on ourselves because what we're trying to do is build a lifestyle business where nothing is urgent. And that's something that Andrew has been his kind of his mantra for the last two years. It's like nothing should be urgent. Uh, so as long as we can develop with that mindset and we can communicate with that mindset, then I think we're going to set ourselves up for long-term success. And that's, that's obviously the plan. Yeah. We just need to execute it. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. But then the, you know, what happens is always a variable. So, yeah, I know, (laughs) but you know, having a good plan based on experience, it always uh, gives you a lot more potential for success than if, than otherwise. Yeah. And a North star too, right? You have to know what you don't want, right? We don't want to be tied to the computer 24 hours a day because of issues. So it's like, what do you, how do you mitigate that in the very beginning? Like from the, from day one. And you know, we've, we've, we've come up with a list of things that we are incorporating into the software and how we've even marketed the software and priced the software to sort of meet our, the things that we don't want to happen, Yeah, which is like, again, sense. we're both yeah. from Jersey. We have that <laughs> negative motivation, you know, what don't we want? Let's, yeah. let's, let's avoid that. Nice. Um, so as we're wrapping up here, um, is there anything that we haven't covered that you think would be valuable information for our audience, um, you know, people who are solo entrepreneurs, uh, at some level, you know, looking to start their online business journeys. Um, is there something that, that comes to mind that you think would be useful or valuable to them? I mean, I think it's reiterating sort of the, the points that we discussed on the show of like the idea of bite, you know, just to kind of like recap a bunch of different philosophies of, you know, not trying to eat the elephant all at once, even if it's in your own brain, because that can stop you from doing a lot of things when you're like, oh my God, this is such a daunting task. Well, it's like, okay, now you have two days to do it. So how daunting can you, how, 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 what can you remove from it in order to get it done and then break it up into bite-sized pieces. And just by the end of the weekend, you have something done. Right. And that goes for any project. We also, uh, talked about, you know, setting unrealistic deadlines, which will, you know, again, will help you for, force you to sort of look at the project as a whole and take out what you think might be necessary at first, but really isn't. And sort of sitting down with yourself and figuring out what you're good, what's in your wheelhouse, because it's not, you will struggle if you try to do something that you're not good at. And it's, I'm not saying that 
you need to completely avoid it. I'm just saying that those things can come later. Like I, again, like I may not be good at drawing right now, but what if I decide that I really want to, to do that? And so it's like, okay, cool. You don't do that now, but on the side, you can learn and you can develop that skill and you can kind of implement it over time. And then eventually, hopefully your, your talent will match your tastes or if it doesn't, whatever you move on. But I think sitting down with yourself and being honest and saying, what am I good at? Focus on that and run with that because that's going to make you the most successful. I think when you are just honest with yourself and say, Hey, you know what? I like writing. I'm going to be a writer. That's what I'm going to focus on and not video because maybe you're not good at that. And, and for me, it's vice versa, right? It's like, I should really be focusing on video than writing. So those are just like, yeah, I think uh, there's, you know, it's all about just publishing, man. It's like publishing and creating as much as you possibly can because you get feedback on it, whether you want it or not, you know, and that feedback helps you to, you know, move along no matter what. And again, it's like, make sure you want to do it because it is hard. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent agree. Um, so really appreciate you coming on today. Um, this was a great conversation, really interesting stuff. So, uh, can you share with us again? I know you mentioned it earlier about your podcast, but are, in addition to the podcasts, uh, are there other places that people can, uh, learn from you, see what you're up to, uh, get in touch with you? I think the best place is moneylab.co. That's kind of my home base and that there's a podcast that goes along with that. So if you're listening to this on whatever podcast app you're on, you can just search for the word money lab and you'll find it. And it's uh, me and my buddy, Andrew, and there's uh, uh, about a hundred episodes. We've been go doing this for a year and it's really just what, what we kind of talked about here. It's each episode focuses on a different, um, you know, online business strategy or something. And we kind of just deep dive into it. We bring on guests. We, we just kind of talk amongst ourselves. And I think that that's, yeah, that moneylab.co and that, and that podcast are the best places to find me. And if you're looking interested in any of that, you know, that's where you, that's where you should go. Awesome. Well, again, really appreciate you coming on. Thank yeah, you. appreciate it. Thank you so much. Many thanks to Matt for coming on the show today and sharing his thoughts, ideas, and perspectives with us. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and found it to be interesting and educational. If you're interested in learning more about Matt or diving into some of his impossible experiments, head over to his site at moneylab.co. We'll also have links to all of the resources we mentioned in this episode at subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 121. You'll also find the show notes and a full transcript of today's episode. Thanks again to you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to hear more interviews with successful entrepreneurs, be sure to subscribe to the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. That's all for today's episode, and we'll see you next time.